WWVU-FM Morgantown, you are listening to Say Something Nice, the weekly music discussion show in which Griffin, and that's me, and my dear friend Anthony, we suggest each other albums that the other has not heard before. This week, Anthony, what did you suggest to me? I suggested you Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill by Grouper. And I suggested to Anthony the Animal Collective classic record Strawberry Jam. (laughs) We are going to get started with that one uh, to give you a little bit of background for the record and the band Animal Collective is made up of David Portner, Noah Lennox, Josh Dibb, and Brian White, acting under the pseudonyms Avitaire, Panda Bear, Deacon, and Geologist, respectively. The band was fo- uh, founded in the Baltimore area, each member meeting around high school, although it would not be until they split up uh, actually for college that they would record their first full-length record under the Animal Collective name. Um, The name is kind of appropriate for the band because it is less a band and more of a collective of artists. They are all constantly making their own solo work. In fact, um, Panda Bear, Noah Lennox, uh, the first album that was in the Animal Collective sort of discography at large was a a solo album from Panda Bear, so before they they joined forces. Um, And they've continued making music up until this day. They're pretty consistent uh, releasing things basically at least once a year. Uh, if not a full Animal Collective project, then a series of solo projects. All the all the band members stay relatively busy. Um, the band is very much influenced by sort of uh, experimental rock, kraut rock, psychedelia, and uh, soundtrack music. Uh, even noise on some of their earliest records. A lot of those early records are sort of straight noise for for long portions of them. Um, This record, however, is their seventh full-length album out via Domino Records. Uh, This was their first recording out via a sort of more prominent indie label, I guess I'd say. It's not quite a major label, but just kind of a step under. Um, It debuted and peaked at number 72 on the Billboard Top 200 and was sort of the most popular record up until that point. It would then later be eclipsed by uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, which came out two years later in 2009. Uh, which peaked at number 13, I believe, on the Billboard Top 200, uh, which is pretty solid for for an indie band uh, as experimental as uh, Animal Collective. Today, however, we're talking about Strawberry Jam, my favorite record uh, from the band. Anthony, what did you think of this album? I really enjoyed this. Um, Going into it, I didn't really know what to expect, honestly. Like, I have heard various... uh, animal collective projects in the past uh which i never particularly enjoyed uh at least not enough to get and explore any deeper into the band Mm. or the group uh and so i was pretty much going in blind i don't i didn't really know anything about animal collective or their sound i had heard like a couple of animal collective songs before that i had since forgotten uh about (laughs) in any capacity um but so i'm not exactly sure what i was expecting going in but i know i wasn't expecting what i ended up getting hit with uh it was a lot uh i guess just like dense a lot more dense than i expected it to be Mm -hmm. um and like sonically overwhelming to an extent, uh, which was great. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I love overwhelming musical experiences. Uh, But it was, 
it was really interesting to hear the um, especially the way that the vocals interact with the instrumentals uh, but also all the instruments together because uh, of how dense everything is sonically like there's so much going on uh, and a lot of these songs there's a lot to pay attention to and on top of all of that you just have this wild vocal performance uh, throughout most of the record and I was wondering which which of the animals in said collective uh, is the vocalist here? Um, well, it's uh, interesting because depending on the album, you'll be hearing uh, vocals from from various of, of said animals. But uh, the main vocalist on this one is Av Tear. He's the most consistent vocalist throughout the band's discography. Uh, Panda Bear lends some vocals to a few tracks on here. Uh, notably chores and I believe um, number one I think is uh, Panda Bear as well. Um, I think if this is your first listen to the record it's probably hard to distinguish but if you go back and revisit it the songs that are fronted by Panda Bear in my mind tend to be a lot or very disparate from the ones that are fronted by A.V. Tear. I don't know mm -hmm. how much of that uh, led to their individual styles and how much of it was just by chance. Um, but Chores specifically is a song that gets very spacey and sort of uh, uh, like psych rock in the sort of tradition of uh, sort of the more low key kind of Pink Floyd stuff toward the end. Uh, same with, same with number one. It's a very like sort of washed out spacey song. Um, and I think Panda Bear's tracks tend to be. Um, Panda Bear, I think you can hear a lot more on the band's follow-up, Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is an album that I like a lot less because, uh, like you mentioned with the sort of wild, eccentric vocals of um, A.V. Tear on a lot of these tracks, there's something really magnetic about them to me. He goes from... The band is very much so interested in sort of vocal harmony a lot of the time and uh, melody and the voice as an instrument, but they're also very uh, tuned to screaming <laughs> at various points. And it, you never like, when you go into a track like uh, Unsolved Mysteries or Forever and Green, you'll be getting all kinds of different vocal performances throughout just like a single four minute track. Um, which yeah, the vocals on this album were always something that I, that I found very strong and very compelling personally. Yeah, that's what stood out to me uh, most of all. And it's really, like, I didn't realize that there were, like, obviously I've kind of figured that everyone sang to some extent because of all the backup vocals on this record. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't really, like, I just, like, didn't think about the fact that there may have been two different lead leads, at least on uh, those couple of songs that you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, the fact that you mentioned the specific ones um they were what chores and you said number one. Oh uh, yeah number one uh were two songs that uh i did not particularly not that i didn't enjoy them i don't think there were really any bad songs on this album um yeah but those were ones that just like didn't stick out to me as much and i am wondering now if it really was just because uh on these kind of primary listens, uh, the vocals are what stuck out to me the most and like pulled me in the most. 
Yeah, I would say even sonically, though, um, on those tracks, they're very much more in line with their previous albums, um, in which they were sort of more experimenting with a sort of washed out kind of freak folk sound, um, more so in the second half of Chores. Chores is really a song that's sort of split into two halves. Um, but uh, yeah, and with much of the latter half of the album, I think they, they start to incorporate those sounds more, which I think are really good. I still do like those earlier Animal Collective records where they did experiment with, with different sort of uh, sounds in the folk tradition, but it is not as compelling as the noise pop aspects of this record are to me, personally. And like these sort of experimental electronic aspects as well. Um the uh all those different styles that you're just like referencing right now mm. kind of throwing out there they do a really good job of mixing all of them uh even like not even between different songs uh but as you mentioned even with chores just being split into two different parts like so many of the songs here start or end uh just like in totally different places from each other uh, and they do a really good job of mixing all of those different styles together throughout this record, not even just between songs, but within one song a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now might be a good time to uh, bring up the the title of the record, which I always think is a, a funny... Uh, <laughs> the, the background story to it is, is quite funny. Uh, the title came from Panda Bear, who, after opening a packet of jam that came with his complimentary breakfast on an overnight flight, said that he wanted to make an album that sounded how the jam looked. That is to say something that is really, quote, synthetic and sharp and futuristic, look, futuristic looking, but also tangy and sweet, almost in kind of an aggressive way in terms of the way it tastes. Which is a wild quote <laughs> and a wild thing to say, but at the same time, I think they strangely kind of nailed it with the sound mm -hmm. of this record. Um, it's, it's interesting. And I think that is a quote also where you can tell that this band was just on a lot of drugs. They were sort of one of the, uh, one of the, the peak indie touring bands like them and like sort of like the Flaming Lips type, type mm -hmm. folks who were very influenced by, by the, the psychedelic uh, culture. <laughs> um, but I think it, ends up leading to their, their sort of way of looking at music from a more holistic perspective saying, I want an album that sounds how this looks ends up with this being a, a really unique listen uh, because it, it does feel more inspired by sort of uh, an aesthetic than any particular sounds that they're building off of um, sonically. Yeah, and I like those different philosophies uh, regarding music uh, and just like thinking about them in different ways uh, usually leads, in my opinion, to a more interesting final product. Uh, and yeah, I have to agree with you. They really did kind of nail that. It was one of the, <laughs> one of the uh, most uh, accurate depictions of any kind of band saying, I want my record to sound how this whatever uh, yeah and like actually actually pulling through a little bit on that yeah because it's like especially with something as abstract as as just a yeah. jam <laughs> <laughs> they uh the psychedelics end up making sense because i think this uh collective does a good job of like coming across as authentically weird and not in any kind of like contrived way that you get a lot of just like throughout time but 
for some reason, I feel like specifically throughout the 2000s of a lot of people just trying to be weird for, for weird sake. Uh, for sure. But throughout this album, despite uh, how just like whacked out so many of the instrumentals can get, I feel like they do a good job of putting the song first uh, instead of just like having like it's it's interesting that they have had like such a weird idea going into the record but they didn't get so distracted by that to like put the song secondary or anything yeah yeah i was just gonna say that um i I think that that sort of authentic weirdness as opposed to anything more contrived is when you draw back to the band's influences, the influences in the bands that have specifically influenced each artist, they're not the sort of like way out there psychedelic or not psychedelic, but like way out there sort of outsider artists that you would maybe expect from, from a band like this. Like no one said like the shags or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just it, take from what I've read with the different members, they're taking the most of their influence from bands that are really adherent to the pop structure like sort of like the classic sort of 60s bands like the Beach Boys and the Beatles and bands that were really um <clears throat> interested in experimenting technically like uh where that krautrock influence comes in with bands like Can uh from the 70s or thereabouts and so i think that that sort of influence in a um, in, in the more experimental technical playing with that sort of adherence to the pop format is where that unique specific weirdness comes in because they're not trying to be overtly weird. It's just how this happens to sound. Mm-hmm. The one big comparison that I ended up drawing, uh, which you didn't list it as an influence, and I have no idea. This is just what I kind of like. When I listened to it, I was like, oh, it kind of sounds like this was uh, like the early like solo Brian Eno albums, like his pop stuff. Yeah, I um, can absolutely see that. Uh, especially like the, the kind of wall of sound uh, yeah. technique that he, that he was sort of uh, revolutionized or, um, yeah, I can definitely see that within this, this record. I, I haven't read any specific interviews where they talk on that specifically, but I could definitely see that being a big influence. Um, even even the sort of Brian Eno Talking Heads records, I can see some influence on um, mm-hmm. with this record. Yeah, but it's like the same kind of stuff, like just the wild, uh, like the interestingly interesting, but kind of complex, like melodic lines uh, of the vocals and stuff, the crazy instrumentals that you still like, they'll still just put uh like if you isolated the vocals you could put them over like any kind of pop song in some instances because it's not it's definitely not like pop vocals it's Mm -hmm. it's very interesting melodic lines but then the instrumentals that are backing those ups a lot of the time are just like will be have like basic chord structures going on but then uh the way that everything interacts with each other is super interesting. And it's not just like, Oh, well, we're going to double the guitars. It's like, you're going to add some sort of keyboard line. That's just like totally different, but ends up just fitting uh, in really weird ways. Um, The one thing that I want to ask you, because I wasn't able to like, 
comprehend it when I was listening. Probably sure. I just need to spend more time with it. Uh, but like the lyrics, do you know yeah. anything about like inspirations for the lyrics? Because uh, first listen through, like I'd find snippets and stuff that like ended up making sense, but then other times where I just had no idea what was going on. Yeah, this is an album that it is not sort of uh, upon first glance or first brush. It's not, the, the lyrics are not something that in this whole collage of, of sound and, and color, they won't stick out to you specifically, but I really do recommend if you, if you enjoy this album to go back and really look at the lyrics because it is a very lyrically cohesive and poignant album that sort of focuses on uh you know celebration uh loss longing acceptance it's this whole kind of mishmash of of feelings and sounds that make for a really unique perspective lyrically the first song peace bone is specifically about av Terre's sort of disdain for nostalgia uh which lyrically it takes you on this whole odyssey of like death and birth and reincarnation and everything but if you're just listening to it the first round uh, you will probably get none of that beyond the robot voice saying bonefish right at the beginning. Uh, that is the most striking lyric within the song. Um, uh, the, the next track follows a child who eventually becomes a, a claimed, or not acclaimed, I guess infamous uh, serial killer, Jack the Ripper. So it's this whole sort of, it's a, it's a weirdly dark and weirdly comedic at the same time album that focuses a lot on the sort of, I would say, like, grand themes of uh, growth and, uh, you know, like I said, like, loss, acceptance, uh, celebration, specifically on a track like Fireworks. Uh, yeah, it, it's a very poignant album lyrically. But then there all, are also songs like Chores, which is very literally just about getting high and doing your chores in your house. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mish, like the, the lyrical content here is as varied as the, as the sonic content, I would say, uh, which, which makes for a very cohesive listen altogether. But I do think that some of the lyrics, while they are very out there, very psychedelic and very silly at different points, I think that there is a lot of uh, depth to be found within them. For sure. And that's going to be something just like on uh, future listens that I'm going to have to personally go back. And I was reading along to some of them while I was listening. Uh, but I, I'm just going to have to focus more on them, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I, it was, this, this album was... Uh, overwhelming sonically which just made it hard like trying to comprehend the instrumentals made it even harder to try and comprehend what was going yeah. on lyrically i mean lyrically specifically it reminds me of something like a band like neutral milk hotel or something which is very more um focused on lyrics right so i think that's a band that is acclaimed a lot more for their lyricism but i think that the uh, lyrical content on here is nothing to be looked over um while it may not be the focus on every track, I don't think that any one thing is the focus on any track. I think that that's something that the band does really well is putting all of these parts and making the focus the whole of a song, you know? Absolutely. Um, well, there, a lot of the songs here are long, so we're going to have to get into closing <laughs> thoughts here so that uh, we have time to play one. But For sure. um, I really enjoyed this album a lot, something that I wasn't able to touch on going through uh was the mix of like whimsy and nightmare on this album that's like a super interesting uh combination with the uh vocal performances just being like super strong throughout 
uh, and the instrumentals being like I like how they're unsettling but not in a creepy way mm-hmm. uh, and the whole the album as a whole to me was nightmarish but in a very different way than a lot of just like spooky music like it kind of ends up sounding like a weird altered reality a lot of the time uh, just like the way the vocals almost like seem to come first and be uh like pop oriented a lot of the time uh whenever they're not screaming um (laughs) but the uh they're just like consistently enjoyable and impressive sorry i'm starting to be non uh coherent because i lost my place in my notes Um, (laughs) it's appropriate for this non-coherent yeah um I'm starting to realize that uh, you, Griffin, just kind of really like these psychedelic pop albums. Um, (laughs) This is, um, I suppose, a a core tenet of of Griffin core music. It's just (laughs) sad boy singer-songwriter and and stuff like this. (laughs) Uh, Generally, yeah. Um, But yeah, I like the... uh, just how kind of like dizzying this record can be and it kind of runs uh like i said just like an alternate reality kind of thing where it's like everything is just as wacky as possible and this is what our pop music sounds like Hmm. um but uh i think i don't know the psychedelic pop lovers out there you know who you are if you haven't listened to animal collective which i if you if you're a fan of the genre, I have a hard time believing. Uh, but if you're into any of these kind of like weird and just like super out there pop albums, this is going to be another another good one for you. But on a in a very different way than the black dresses one was last yeah. week. Um, and if you like the early you know solo stuff, you should check this out because I enjoy it, uh, and I think there's a lot of comparisons to be made uh, between the two. Um, and also just anyone who's into like actual psychedelic music or if don't yeah just like actual psychedelic music not necessarily some of like the resurgence that we've seen recently uh but i think a lot of psychedelic fans would like this album too um that's all i have to say yeah (laughs) um yeah, like I said, this is just one of my, my definitively my favorite Animal Collective record, one of my favorite records. Mm-hmm. I think for the time it came out, it's really revolutionary. Um, the popularity that, popularity that it gained, it peaked at, like, like I said earlier, 72 on the, on the billboard, but for a practically unknown band up until that mm-hmm. point, I think that's a, a solid place to land, uh, especially for a record as, as strange and out there as this one. And I think that that sort of speaks for itself in the bridge that it can build between these sort of average listener who's at least willing to experiment with uh, sound a little bit and people who are going to be like heavily into, <laughs> into any of this stuff, like any of the audiences that you listed. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend trying this record out or at least trying out the track that Anthony is going to recommend, which Anthony, what, uh, what song is that? Uh, it's the longest one here. Sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we're going to listen to the song Fireworks right right at the middle. An excellent centerpiece to the record. Uh, one of my favorite songs, full stop, actually. So, uh, yeah, we'll be hitting you with Fireworks right here on the United to the Moose. And we'll be back with more Say Something Nice after the break. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back to Say Something Nice. Uh, you know what it is by now. Griffin and I are recommending each other an album each week. Uh, the one that we just got done talking about, Griffin's recommendation to me, uh, was Strawberry Jam by Animal Collective. But now we are moving on uh, to the album Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill uh, by Grouper. A uh, little bit of background information. Grouper is the solo project of Liz Harris, a project she started around 2005. Uh, I think she was in college at the time. I'm not exactly certain. And I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information on Grouper out there, so I apologize in advance for this relatively short introduction. Uh, but after four albums and a split with Inca Orr, uh, Grouper released this album, her fifth album, Dragging a Dead Deer Up a Hill, uh, in 2008. Uh, like most of Liz's album, or most of her albums as grouper, this album is uh, very haunting, and uh, but it stands out from most of their discography for relying a lot more on acoustic guitars uh, and being more of a folk album while still definitely being classifiable as an ambient release. Uh, Dragging a Dead Deer is a lot more focused uh, on the songs than most of her releases, uh, but it kind of allows the melodies here to be more at the front, uh, but still second to the atmosphere of the album. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, I'm not necessarily going to be able to keep up with very many song names here. Uh, yeah. I don't usually pay attention. I kind of just put the album on, uh, zone out and forget about it. But Griffin, what did you think of this album? Um, I really enjoyed it, uh, <laughs> as is customary for our program generally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what you said about sort of not being able to differentiate between tracks because it's, a, it's an album that you more zone out to, I felt that heavily. I was um, cooking chicken wings whilst listening to this record, and I really just wanted to be like in a forest hammock. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, wish it was, I wish it were like a little more fall outside, like maybe mid-October. Yeah. And I could just be like midday swaying in a hammock while listening to this. <laughs> um, because it is, there are certainly sort of like eerie and haunting elements to it throughout. But there are also very like serene and beautiful uh, elements to this mm -hmm. album throughout that are very evocative of the the autumn specifically and i think that the cover is as well uh, of the record but um this record is interesting because it is an ambient release but it's much much different than the one that we were talking about last week which was the the soft Print truth record um this one is i would still classify it as an ambient record but i think more than anything else i would classify it as a folk record um, I did say in my notes that it sounded like uh, Fleet Foxes on uh, Zoloft. It okay. sounded like, yeah, it was just, or not Zoloft, Xanax. I'm sorry, I'm getting my <laughs> antidepressants confused. It is it, Parts of specifically the vocals, which are very, uh, well, this, the sound generally is very sort of uh, washed out, but very consistent also. Um, throughout most of these songs, she focuses on sort of a few strummed acoustic chords. Um, but the vocals specifically reminded me of a band like Fleet Foxes in that they were very, like, choral-influenced. Like, there was a lot of uh, sort of 
slight layering and, and uh, she sings in a very falsetto tone uh, consistently, which was very lovely to listen to. The lyrics on here were um, very hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, Apple Music just has a lot of the lyrics listed as instrumental. <laughs> and it's like, I can hear words for sure. Uh, I just can't tell you what they are. Um, which is interesting because she seems to be going for sort of like the Animal Collective record uh, to me, one like similarity that I found is that this record sort of goes for a more holistic approach to song making Mm -hmm. in that each element is playing off of each other and the vocals are very much just another element uh, to the overall piece. Absolutely. And I think uh, I noticed the same thing. I I do own this album, so I don't always listen on uh, Apple Music, but Mm -hmm. uh, in this instance, I wanted to sit at my desk uh, and listen, so... I had to be on my computer, but the um, the fact that Apple Music lists just lists the uh, even the songs that very clearly have words yeah. as <laughs> instrumental um, is like, always uh, a, it's just like a funny point to me because like that's also the exact same way that uh, not that I think about it I always listen I'm like oh there's words but like I'm not <laughs> I'm never uh, no matter how attentive I am it's never enough to actually be able to catch what Liz is saying. Yeah, Uh, I think it was uh, Traveling Through a Sea, which had absolutely no lyrics. And like, I could very clearly hear that the first line was Traveling Through a Sea. mm -hmm. Like that was the the lyric. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) so that was just an interesting aspect of it. But I think that that kind of plays to the album's strength because I wasn't focused on the lyrics a whole lot here. I don't know if that was a mistake of me. Like, I, I don't know how um, <laughs> uh, much focus was sort of put onto the lyrics, but uh, it is, it, it made for a much more holistic listen, like I said, and a listen where I was just consistently wanting to really put this album on and just kind of be with it for a, for a, for a while. Uh, specifically in in the fall-like setting that I described earlier. Um, Because there's no one piece that sort of jumps out and distracts you from anything else. It is just like a nice, for lack of a better term, vibe album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did write my notes also just the phrase, uh, spooky lo-fi folk beats to be sad slash nervous to. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which I think describes the album fairly well as well, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I think that really sums it up. And uh, I have to imagine, like, from the other grouper albums that I have checked out, like, the way that the vocals are mixed on this album uh, are definitely, like, it's not just uh, the classic, oh, I'm mixing this in my bedroom on Apple headphones so you can't hear the vocals because neither can I kind of thing. Um like it's it's definitely a purposeful decision because it's the same on all of her albums, but uh, yeah, it absolutely felt very intentional to me as well. Just like coming mm-hmm. in from this one, so that that translates to new listeners as well. I think. Um, but the uh, like I uh, I also don't pay attention to the lyrics when I listen to this, just because I never have them easily accessible uh, or accurate, for that <laughs> matter. Um, but so I always wonder the same thing. Like I know that she is putting effort into her lyrics. Obviously they're there. And from what I've uh, uh, 
looked into for her other albums when it's a little bit easier to check out the lyrics. And uh, I wonder if the themes of this album do end up kind of just coming across more from the uh, just general feel and atmosphere that is presented. And if you even uh, need the lyrics to really get the album. Yeah, I mean, because from what I could glean from the lyrics, it did sound like she was putting a lot of effort into them. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. sort of a, a secondhand thought, but it is, I feel like if she wanted them to be a focus, she would have put more focus on them. Like, I think what she did was very intentional. And I think that that is because she wants the the themes of this record to stand from however you approach it, from like instrumentally, from the sort of sonic palette, how it's put together, sort of everything about it. Um, as opposed to just just gleaning the inspiration from the lyrics, uh, which I think is a very interesting and unique approach to to songwriting. Because um, there's a lot of people that, you know, will put focus on, on various aspects of, of their music, but she seems to be trying to incorporate the themes that she is bringing up in this album uh, throughout each individual piece of music on here. Um, as opposed to the instrumentals being just sort of a backdrop for whatever lyrically she's talking about. For sure, for sure. I, um, <laughs> the, uh, oh, I swear I had an idea. Um, <laughs> or a single thought. Um, yeah, and it's very... Uh, throughout the album to me just like a very evocative listen um of where it kind of makes you it puts me in a mood like no matter what no matter how i'm feeling uh it'll put me just in almost like a daydreamy uh kind of mood where i either want to like i need to be doing something where i don't have to uh think it's one of the ambient releases that instead of like focusing me in kind of uh ends up clouding whatever i'm doing and yeah forces forces me to zone out a little bit yeah 100 like i said when i was listening to this record i was cooking chicken wings and vaguely watching football (laughs) and so it's not not the setting that is most like i still felt like I, I still felt transported in a way just by the listen. It is, it is a very evocative album, and it's really good at um, sort of evoking the the feelings that it's aiming for. Um, I, because this is a vaguely sort of haunting and, and spooky <laughs> listen at different points, but it's not overly dark. It doesn't sound like to me. It, mm. It's sort of a a, a ghost story in the way that like uh, a piece of folklore or something is, you know, mm-hmm. it has this kind of this wash over it. That's less straightforwardly uh, dark or, or, or scary or anything than more sort of there, there's an element of uh, malevolent whimsy almost <laughs> uh, to, to the record, which make for a very unique listen as well uh that that's a feeling that i feel like a lot of other records don't uh evoke as much sort of if like you portray a uh i don't know some sort of doom metal record right if that is the equivalent of like a friday the 13th slasher movie (laughs) this record is the equivalent of like 
uh, Pan's Labyrinth or something like that. You know, <laughs> does that does that simile stand? Yeah, I think okay. I think it definitely does. <laughs> um, the the way that I was gonna go ahead and describe it, what popped into my mind is that it's not uh, like I will always like definitely use the word haunting to describe this album, uh, but it's not haunting like you said in the way that like a, like you compared it to a slasher or didn't compare it to but like contrast it with contrasted, contrasted yeah. it with a slasher a slasher flick uh and i think that i would say this album is haunting in the same way that like you wake up at 6 a.m and there's like a fog and the lights starting to shine through uh, yeah, kind of like it's a, it's haunting, but it's a, it's hauntingly uh, beautiful in a way. It's not like spooky or scary in the same way that a lot of uh, ambient releases, especially as you get into like dark ambient. Uh, yeah, and I, I definitely got some sort of dark ambient vibes from this, uh, based on like what I know about about genres like this, which I'm not super. Um, uh, aware of, of things uh, going on in that space generally, as I've made clear on this show numerous times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sort of dark wave or even uh, one of the sort of uh, witch and occult influenced genres a little bit uh, at points mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, not, not maybe not directly uh, impacting the sound, but I think there is like some sort of derivative influence that goes into this record from, from sounds like that. Right, that Stevie Nicks core. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was going to say contrasting it again to the ambient release that we that we discussed last week. Mm. This one sort of it, it disappointed me at first, uh, not overall, but just specifically the ending. Because um, whereas I said last week's record felt like it was always building and it, it sort of ended in this, this excellent climax. This one, by the time that it ends, I think it just sort of fizzles out isn't the right word, but it, it just sort of ends, you know, mm. it, there's nothing that really builds toward an ending for me. But at the same time, I did find that to be sort of appropriately dreamy as well. Like it wasn't uh, an album like this. I maybe if it built toward a climax would feel almost inappropriate for the sort of vibe mm. that it's set up throughout, you know? Right. And it's funny because, uh, mentioning the ending i'll go ahead and call forward to the beginning it mm. uh starts with like a fade-in kind of thing yeah so it's exactly. really funny like it's the album ends up kind of just playing like a dream because it fades in and then it just kind of allows itself to end too and so yeah. it's it's really like it's just kind of passing by through your mind or something it's like a passing thought it comes and it goes uh yeah, and, and it's interesting because that, that fade-in, I think, is a wind noise of some kind, mm-hmm. which I wrote that down because I feel like that's the most stereotypically like <laughs> thing ever, is a wind noise. But yeah, I think that adds the whole kind of fall feel of it, too, is that it does it passes specifically like a gust of wind or something, mm-hmm. like, throughout. Uh, but what were you going to say? I'm sorry for, for interrupting. Oh, no, those. I mean, I was just going to say that uh, just, like, comes and goes as a passing thought almost yeah Uh, and while it's while it's playing it kind of just like lingers 
it lingers in whatever space it's in. It doesn't, like you mentioned before, it doesn't really call attention to anything. It just kind of exists in the same space as you, uh, which is something that I really enjoy and something that I think contributes to the fact that it really like puts me in a certain headspace um, where I just feel like totally clouded or something. Uh, yeah. And like forced to zone out. Just the way that the music uh, doesn't, it's not that it doesn't call you in, but it doesn't uh, come at you. It just kind of fills whatever area it's in and just kind of sits with you in that space. 100%. Yeah, it is a um, sort of, and I, I think this is like a record that is uh, a must. Uh, I, again, <laughs> I'm not familiar with the ambient genre, but to me, this seems like sort of a must listen for for an ambient fan because it does sort of check all of the classic boxes. Um, but at the same time, it is very much its own thing. It kind of stays in its own lane and is very evocative of a specific mood. So it's one that you can listen to when you're sort of in this specific mood. Like I think it fills a lane very nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, With that uh i think we're starting to run out of time so we'll go ahead and get into uh some of your closing thoughts on this yeah this record was a very a very pleasant listen despite all of the sort of uh the as we've said haunting elements of it but it is something that i would recommend if you are a fan like i said of ambient music i think this is a must listen if you are a fan of sort of the a uh, spacier and dreamer end of the spoke spectrum or folk spectrum <laughs> as well uh i i definitely think this is worth your time because this does have a a hefty amount of things going on here in both like the instrumental uh palette of it and lyrically uh something that i do want to go back and revisit here are the lyrics um definitely something that's worth your time if you're into that sort of dreamer end of the folk spectrum uh, well, it's not, it didn't, uh, as with last week's album, shoot up to easily one of my favorite favorite ambient listens uh, that I've heard. This one was still very much, uh, I, I'm very glad that I, I checked it out. It gave me a new perspective on the uh, genre, as it were. Um, and should I introduce the track that we're going to be playing? Uh, in one second, I'll ask you in a second. I wanted to add <laughs> okay. something. Excellent. Um, so what uh, I wanted to add was just that uh, I feel I kind of regret uh, I don't fully regret, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I regret uh, recommending this because it's such a hard album for me to uh, talk about. So if anything mm. that we said uh, interested you in the slightest, I recommend uh, that you listen to this. Also, all of you Forema Forever Ago stands, I feel like you might like this too. Yeah, definitely. Like on the on the early Bonavere uh, yeah. sort of rip, yeah. Um but with sure. that, uh Griffin, go ahead and introduce the track and then we'll get into some recommendations for next week. Yeah, so the track that we're going to hear from this record is the second song on the album Heavy Water slash I'd Rather Be Sleeping. Excellent little two-part track where the lyrics are a little more in focus. Um, the first track that really grabbed me from the record as well. Uh, before we hear it, though, Anthony, what are we talking about next week? Um, I'm switching it up. No ambient next week. Shout out, but also <laughs> uh, shed a tear. 
Um, the album I'm going to be recommending you is a recent release, I believe put out uh, last Friday, like the 11th or maybe the 4th. I don't remember exactly. Uh, but it is As Lost Through Collision by Sprain. Uh, absolutely fantastic post-hardcore record uh, with like some slow core, some droney stuff going on too. Uh, it's, a, it's a match made in heaven for Anthony's ears. Uh, <laughs> but Griffin, what are you throwing my way? Yeah, uh, to you, I'm going to give the record Cult Classic by Denmark Vesey. It's a lovely little, I think, overlooked uh, jazz rap record from 2013. Uh, sort of takes on different concepts of religion in a really interesting way. Uh, hence the title, Cult Classic. I really enjoy the title, uh, <laughs> given the record's themes. And yeah, I've just been listening to it a bunch recently, and I needed an excuse to talk about it. So <laughs> luckily, I have a show for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that, that's all that we have for this week. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. We'll be back next week uh, with the two albums that we just mentioned. Uh, but until then, we are going to hear the song Heavy Water, I'd Rather Be Sleeping by Grouper right here on United to the Moose. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Say Something Nice. We'll see you next week. See ya.